Um, we'll look in Matthew chapter 6. I guess some very familiar scripture. Uh, you all know it, and I'm sure you know it better than than we do. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read. I've got several verses, and I realize when you cover a lot, you'll never be able to do it all justice. But I've got a pretty good portion of Scripture, and I'm not going to read it all before. We'll just walk down through it as the Lord would lead us. But we'd like to start in verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So we'll stop right there for now. Um, But you know, you think about the enemy that the church has. And and maybe this might sound silly, but I believe I believe it'll fit and we can see it. The copperhead, the rattlesnake, those that we would count our enemies around here, I guess. The one I watch for very much when we're out working. You know, they're not out to bite you. They get scared, you get too close, they will bite you. They will cause great harm. But they're not out here in the parking lot saying, let's climb up under these vehicles and wait on them to come and we'll get them. Their intent is not to bite you. But you know the devil, our enemy, the serpent, the spiritual serpent that the Lord warns us of, he's out to kill you. He's not waiting on us to get close and defend himself. He's out to kill to steal, and to destroy all that He can. In those that are lost, He would like to hold them in a place of deceit, in a place of deception, in a place where the trust is in something that's unable to deliver, that they would die in that condition and lift their eyes in the anger and the wrath of God in hell. And in those that are saved, now in, in somebody that God has redeemed, He can't touch the soul that is sealed by the Word of God, by the Holy Ghost, and He can't take that person to hell. That don't mean He's not out and after us. He would like to take what He can from us as well. He says in Revelation, and maybe there's a lot of thoughts about Scriptures in Revelation, but in chapter 12, I believe we see a a great picture of the salvation of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil cast out of the heavenly place. Salvation has come. And this is what the Bible says in verse 12. Rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And in the rest of that chapter, he's out to persecute that that the Lord has saved. So now you think about in the church, in the in the born again, the Lord don't save the flesh. The flesh is going to go back to the dust. But the devil's cast out of the heavenly place, off the throne of the heart, 
cast out of the soul of man. That man's redeemed. He's born again. He's sealed by the power and by the grace of God. He's kept by the power of God. But he's cast out into the earth. And there we war with him and we fight with him day by day. Now there is good news. He's only got a short time. He's got as long as I'm breathing. But when I breathe, his ability to get us is over. But he realizes that. And he's got great wrath because he hath a short time. And he's out to steal all that he can from the people of God. And he does that in many ways. And through this scripture here in Matthew, maybe we'll see one of them. And be aware of the wiles and the tricks of our enemy, the devil. So he says, lay not up for yourselves. Don't make deposits of wealth, of treasure. And you know, he's not telling me not to have a bank account. He's not telling me that I ought not work and try to have something. He's not saying we ought to live in a tent under the woods. But he's talking about what we love and care for in our heart. And make not our treasure on this world. Because you know what this world is? This world is a great unknown. And when you see people in the Word of God, great wisdom, describing their life, Jacob says, few days full of evil. Job says man's a few days and full of trouble. Nowhere do you see man's life described as a few years. But it's a few days and you know, as a young man, you don't understand that. I didn't understand that. But when you get out of school and you live a little while, when you have your own children, you know how fast that time goes by? I mean, life is just honest to God a few days. And I would imagine if I live till I'm 70 by the grace, the power, and the, uh, the keeping of the Lord, I'll say at 70 years old it's went by in, in a day's time, it seems like. That's the way this life is. So he says, do not let your heart, don't let your treasure, what you treasure in your heart, don't let it be on this earth because this earth is quickly going away. What we have, and you know, if you've got anything, if you own anything, a vehicle, land, a house, that's something that's continually requiring work. Or it's going to go away. This earth is passing away, corrupting, where thieves can break through and, and take what you have. If our treasure is in this earth, it's going to be a continual labor and time and effort from us in order to maintain it. And then it may be gone by tomorrow. So don't allow your desire, your heart, to be set upon things on the earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. So let your treasure be on the other side of this life. This, this world and all that we gain here, just like the rich man that lift his eyes in hell, who fared sumptuously every day, but raised his eyes in the torments of destruction, just like the rich man that fields brought forth plentifully, and he said, I'm going to pull down these barns, and I'm going to build greater, and I'm going to live on the bed of ease for the rest of my days. And he died that night and stood before God. That's the way the treasure of this world is. If this is what I love, this is what I desire, this could all be gone in a moment. I, I don't think we realize just how quick that our life can be forever changed in this world. It can be 
in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye, this life can be forever altered. And if our treasure is here, know this, if our treasure's here, the devil has got a great tool that he can use against us. That that would discourage us. That that would draw us away from the Lord. The Lord says, let your treasure be on the other side. Because you know this, that treasure over there, that's not going to decay or fade away. That that the Lord has wrought. And know this now, not working to build treasure in heaven. I'm going to heaven based on the work that the Lord Jesus Christ has already accomplished. And if His work was perfect, and the redemption He provided me was perfect, how am I going to add to or improve on that that's already perfect? It don't need improvement. But this is, this is my thinking, my mindset, my heart and my desire while I'm here. It ought to be on the other side of this life and not wound up in the things of this world because the light of the body is the eye. Now he's going to give us a little picture. The body receives light. It takes in light through the eyes. And as long as my eyes are healthy, I can see. I'm able to take in what's around me. But if my eye's evil, it means diseased or ill. You know, you can squint your eyes and you can get an idea, maybe, of what a diseased eye is. You can shut them and get an idea of what darkness is. And if what comes through my eyes is only darkness, how great is that darkness? I've knew some blind people and to, to imagine what it's like to never see anything. How great is that darkness? Yes. To never see light again. Well, that's the way this world is. If my heart, if my desire, if my love and my affection is for this world, my spiritual eye is blinded to what's important. All of this that the devil can take away, and the devil can take it. If the Lord would allow him, the devil can take it. The devil took everything that Job had by the permission of the Lord. And you know, if Job's heart and if his treasure would have only been in those children, if it would have been in the cattle and in the sheep and in the camels in the field, and if his heart's desire and affection would have been on the goods that he had in the house, then he would have been left absolutely empty. I'm not saying the man wasn't broken. He was sad. He was broken for what he had lost. But he could also say, the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. He could say, those skin worms are going to devour this body in the ground one day. I'm going to see my Savior. I know that my Redeemer liveth. So he, he lived in this world. He had a life in this world. But his affection and his desire was set on the Lord. And you know that he endured all that he endured. And he lost all that he lost. And the Bible tells me he never charged God foolishly. He never did. You know where his desire and where his heart and his treasure was? It was in the Lord that saved him from the bondage of sin and set him in the kingdom of God. So how great is that darkness? No man 
can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So you think about this scripture now. Most places where you work, there's not two bosses. There's one boss. You know, that there's good reason for that. Because if you got two, they're going to butt heads, they're going to oppose one another, and they're going to put you in a bad place. You're going to be the one put in the bad place. You're going to have to be the one to make a decision. But you know, even if there are, they're not opposite of each other like these two that the Bible's speaking of here. This is He's speaking about serving God or serving the mammon. That's the, the, this world personified. And you know you look in Revelation 13, the next chapter from where we just read about the salvation of the Lord and the devil cast out into the earth. The devil knows he has a short time and he's angry and he's causing as much trouble as he can. In the very next chapter, you see a beast come out of the sea. Now I realize there's a lot of crazy, crazy thoughts and ideas and things that people say is yet to happen. But I want you to know there's a beast that's raging today. Not that you see here, but look at our world and our world system that is raging, that's captivated the heart and the mind of man, and there their affection is, there's what they worship, that's what their desire is to, that's where they spend all of their time and all of their effort in gaining and enjoying and living in the pleasures of this world. There was a beast and there was a false prophet. You reckon there's false religion and false gospels and false prophets that strew away a multitude. There is today. They're not yet to come. They're present today and our people are worshiping them and following them today and turning away from the truth. Now know this, it's impossible to serve two masters, especially two that are continually opposite to one another. And that's the way that God and the devil are. You may see two people that are opposites in this life, but they do not compare to God and the devil. All that God is for, the devil is against. And all that the devil is for, God is against. They are contrary one to another. They are always at odds. They are always at war. And you know what that is? They're, they're at war for me and for you. Yes. Ain't that right? Yeah. In them that are lost, they're yes. at war. Yes. The devil wants right. to keep them there. The Lord would like to draw to salvation. Uh -huh. And in them that are saved, God would like to keep us in the truth. The devil would like to draw us away. Uh -huh. And know this, you cannot, you can't serve them both. Right. Right. Because when you're doing the will of one, you're in opposition to the other. So when you're going after the world, you're in opposition to God. See, our world today would like to teach that, well, you can enjoy and you can do and you can serve God and God's going to accept it all and everything's going to be rosy. But the Lord Jesus says you cannot serve them both. You're either serving one today and forsaking the other or you're doing the opposite. One of the masters today is being forsaken. So I wonder, which one would it be? Which master do we forsake the most? 
Which one do we follow after the most? Where is our treasure? Where can our heart be found? Where is our desire placed? Because you can't serve two. You, you are serving one, though. You're following one of these masters actively. Today, tomorrow, day by day, we are following one. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? So now, the worry, take no thought. That don't mean I ought to get up and just grab random stuff to put on and wear whatever every day. But take no thought, that word means anxiety, worry, fretting. Don't have anxiety. And you know, we're living in a day, we, we just don't understand like the crowd that the Lord's speaking to in this day. In this day, and especially following, and in the early days of the church, they shut the church out. If you professed Christ and you attended church, they shut you out of businesses. They lost their jobs. They lost their livelihoods. Paul went hungry. Paul went naked. Paul went cold. Paul was cast in prison. He was beaten. He was stoned. They endured great sufferings that to God's truth we have no idea. No idea. But the Lord says don't have anxiety. Don't have that worry, that fret about this life. Therefore, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. But think about how opposite it is now. What's more important, the life or what goes into the body? The food. But you know what people are most concerned about? They're not concerned about the life. They're concerned about what they're putting in them. They're concerned about what they put on them. The Lord says don't have anxiety over these things. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? So He points us, and you know there's great lessons can be learned in the creation of the Lord. But he points to the fowls of the air. <clears throat> They're not out planting a field today so that they can harvest at the end of the season. They don't have barns where that they store things. They're not out uh, uh, laboring that they might have something to eat when the winter time comes. But you know what they are? They're fed. They're fed in the winter. They're fed in the spring. They're fed in the fall. And you know how they are fed? Don't diminish this. The Lord feeds every one of them every meal that they have. Whether it's through what they gather from a bush in the woods or through your feeder in the backyard, the Lord's provided for the birds what they need to live. And the Bible tells me in Luke that one sparrow doesn't fall to the ground that the Lord doesn't know it. Now, that's the kind of power that this God has. This is a God that ensures that all of the sparrows 
are fed. And we worry about feeding ten chickens and the Lord's fed every wild beast on the earth today. They've eaten today because the Lord has provided them something that they might eat. Behold the fowls of the air, how that the heavenly Father provides for them. Are you not better than they? You that the Lord Jesus came from heaven, from the right hand of the Father, and took on a flesh like you and I have, and wasn't born in a palace, but was born in a poor house in a manger, and lived a poor life, was despised, rejected, spit upon, and they took him and beat him, and they plated a crown of thorns on his head, and they mocked him and he died there, naked before the world, that you could receive salvation. Are you not better than a sparrow? He says in Luke, the ravens, a beast that was unclean and a ravenous eater. The Lord provides for them too. And the Lord provided for you when you were opposed to Him. He kept you. He protected you. And He brought you to Him. Are we not better than sparrows? Are we not better than the fowls of the air? The Lord provides for them. Would the Lord not provide what the church needs day by day? So, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? So another little picture. By taking thought, same word, anxiety, worry, fret. How many of us can sit down and worry about how tall we are and add one cubit to our height? We can't change that. No matter how greatly that I worry, no matter how greatly that I fret, no matter how greatly that I fear, no matter how hard I would concentrate and I would think on this, there is not one thing I can do to change that. Boy, we're, we're pretty powerless, aren't we? We are. We're dependent on God. We truly are dependent on God. And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toll not, neither do they spin. So they're not out working to get money to buy material. And they're not spinning. That's a picture of sewing, of weaving. They're not out weaving something for them to wear. Yet, I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now think about that now. Here's Solomon. And you just go and read about the kingdom and the state of Israel when Solomon was the king. Yes. There were no vessels of silver. The Bible says this. They didn't have vessels of silver. Cups and plates and spoons of silver in Solomon's day because silver was nothing accounted for. Everything was gold. Silver was worthless. They were so rich and they had so much that silver was as the stones of the ground. But you know Solomon, with all of his wealth and all of his money and all of his goods, he was not arrayed as beautiful as the flowers of the earth. And now you think now, that, that may sound silly, but you take a rhododendron that's blooming and you compare that to the most expensive designer clothes that you can find, which is more pleasant for you to look at? Now who, who adorned 
that rhododendron. The Lord did that. That rhododendron didn't labor. It didn't toll nor spin. But the Lord adorned that. And you know what that is? Mine's bloomed already. I've got three. They've bloomed. You know where the blooms are? They fell off in the yard and they've been chopped up by the mower. If today it's here and tomorrow it's in the oven, but you know the Lord saw fit to adorn them with that that exceeds, you know, Solomon. Solomon had wisdom that exceeded everybody on the earth. But he could not, with his greatest effort and with all of his wealth, exceed the beauty of the grass that the Lord had adorned. So, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So the Lord says, Don't be concerned with the things of this world like the Gentiles are concerned with them. The church of the living God ought not be living. They ought not have the same desire. They ought not have the same love. And their lives ought not to look like the heathen and the unbeliever of this world. They've been plucked as brands from the burning out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of the dear Son of God. They are free from the bondage of the devil and of sin and they're free in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They should not be seeking and desiring the same things that the Gentiles seek and desire after. The Gentiles seek and their affection, their love and their treasure is on things of the world. Now again, maybe we ought to say this in the day and hour we're in. The Lord's not saying I ought to lay at the house and wait on Him to feed me. He told me to go to work. He said if you don't work, you don't eat. That's natural and spiritual. I believe it. It's part of the curse. God told Adam you'll eat by the sweat of your brow. We're commanded to work and labor. We are. We should. That's right in God's eyes. Our world don't like that today. But that's the way it is. Therefore take no thought, for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. The Lord knows what we need that is necessary for our life. Now, in our world today, how much do I have that's really necessary for life? Lord have mercy we're so far above and beyond what's necessary for life today we're blessed to a place that it's unfathomable and unreal to the people of this day when this was written where they went out and worked and what they worked they were going to have to live on that's what was going to carry them and their family through the winter so that they could start again in the spring. This is how they live day by day. And we've got so much, we throw out so much. It's unreal. But still, whether it's in times of great need or in times of great gain, ain't it something the devil still has people's hearts and their minds and their desire in the things of this world. We're nowhere close to running out of what's necessary for our daily life. We have been provided for abundantly 
and greatly. And yet, you know, people's desire, their want, their effort and their time is still wound up in the world that they might get a little more. I've got what I need to live and I'm not even worried nor concerned about what I need to live, but I'm worried and concerned about what we're going to enjoy in this life. I'd like something else that would bring pleasure to me. And God, the other master, is thrown out the back window. Forget about God. I've got things I've got to buy. I've got things I want. I've got things I desire. And we're going to cast the service of God out of the way. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So what's the conclusion of all this? You can't serve two masters. Lay your treasure in heaven and not on the earth. What's the conclusion of all this? Don't be anxious about your life and your daily needs of life. But seek first the kingdom of God. Now here's the direction of the Lord. That what ought to be placed... First and foremost in my life and in my walk is the service of the the kingdom. That word means the rule, the reign, or the royalty of God. When you say kingdom, it's a shame. It's a shame. When you say kingdom of God today, people are thinking in the future. That's he's not talking about wait till the rapture comes. And then we'll worry about all this. This is for me today. I'm to be seeking the rule and the reign of God in my life today. That God would be the guider and the ruler over this man. And he says, seek first the kingdom. Let the worldly things take a back seat. The Lord knows that I need to live. The Lord knows that I need food and water. The Lord knows that me and my family need a place to dwell and needs clothes. But that ought not to be the first thing on my list to seek after. I ought to be seeking the kingdom of God first in my life that His kingdom... His rule and His reign and His righteousness would be my first desire and where my labor and my time and my effort goes. And you know what? The Lord knowing that I have need of these things, is He not able to provide them? He's provided. He can provide a job. He can provide money in the bank. He can provide food to eat. He can do that. The devil says, well, you won't have it as good. I I dare say that the devil's a liar. Is he not a liar from the very beginning? You know the first thing we see the devil say? You know what it was? It was a lie. Remember the masters are opposite and warring with one another. And the devil wants to rob you of everything that he can rob you. And sadly, he's stealing from a lot of people because he's got them wound up in something that they might leave here tonight. They're wound up in the world and in what they've got and in what they can gain and what they want and they've forsaken the service of the kingdom of God. The Lord says, Seek me first. And all these other things, I'll add to you. You know the riches, 
the gain, the power, the peace that Solomon had. He did not ask for any of those things. But when God said, Solomon, what would you like? Solomon said, I just want one thing. I want wisdom. I want you to give me some understanding that I might be able to serve you before the people. And God said, you could have asked for anything. But you've asked for this. So I'm going to add. Yes, that's right. I'm going to add everything else unto you. Is it not the same God today? Well, now, today, I don't know if God can provide today like He's provided in the past. That's the devil in the mind. That's Satan, the liar. That's the master opposing God. But you know what we can do? We can do just exactly what Jesus said and we can look at it to birds, they're still eating. 2,000 years almost later, 2,000 years later, and the grass is still clothed with beauty that we get to look at year after year and the birds are still eating. They've not went extinct. They've not run out of food, but year after year, God's provided what they need. Can He not, little flock, provide for His people what they need if they had seen His face and His kingdom? He would. He would provide what we need for our life if we would put the Lord first place and seek His kingdom first. This is what He says in Luke. This is the parallel Scripture. It's in Luke chapter number 12. Fear not, little flock. Just so you know, it's the same text. Verse 31, Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. Same Scripture, same discourse. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Paul in Romans, you know how Paul puts it. If the Lord... If God the Father would sacrifice His only begotten Son that we could be saved, and He'd done that for us when we were enemies to Him, and when we were hateful to Him, and when we cursed His name, and when we rebelled against what we knew God said, He sacrificed His Son for us then. Would He not, now that He saved us and adopted us into His family, would He not freely give us all things? Amen. He would. So what good is it to worry? What good is it to fear? The heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what the worry and anxiety is going to do? I'm going to put God second. I'm going to start seeking after other things. If I'm worried about it, I'm going to forsake to seek God. And I'm going to seek out my worries and my fears. The Lord says don't fear and don't have anxiety about things on the earth. I'm in control of what's on the earth. I can provide for you as I see fit. What you ought to be concerned about is seeking me and my kingdom. And the devil says, well, if you do that today, this is going to happen. You're going to lose this, that, and the other. And the Lord says, don't worry about those things. Seek me first and I'll have everything. Amen. Thank you, Father. If I'm convinced with all that in me is, the Lord is able to provide. Yes. I can tell you how. I can tell you how He has in my life. 
but I don't want it to get carnal. There was one time she was in school, and I wasn't making very much money then, and it, it was getting close. Had till Friday before I got paid, and I said, I looked at the bank account, and I thought, how in the world am I going to buy gas to make it to work Thursday and Friday? And I was, I was worried about that very thing. Bless you, Lord. And I got down and prayed, and I said, Lord, help me not to worry. Like, this ain't right. I don't need to be worried about this. Help me, Lord, not to worry. And I swear by the book that this is the honest-to-God truth. I went to the mailbox about 45 minutes to an hour later, the mail lady run. I went to the mailbox. I had a letter in there. And I opened it, and it was from my mamaw. She said, I thought you might need some help this month. I sent you some money. And there was a $100 check in there. Now, my mamaw done that. I can't even say confidently that she saved. But you know, the Lord saw one of his birds, yeah. was in trouble, and he provided what we needed to get yeah. through. Amen. And the Lord is able to provide yes. what we need to get through. Yes. Seek Amen. first the kingdom. You, and don't worry, don't fret and fear this world. The Lord knows we need these things, and he promises that he'll add to them. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. So not just worrying about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. My God, if there's anything uncertain, and we've got Scripture on it in James, ye that say, tomorrow we will go into such a city, buy and sell, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. My God, I might die in my sleep tonight. I'm going to spend all day today and all day tomorrow worrying about something coming on Tuesday, and I might die and never have to face it. Amen. And you know what that's cost me? That's cost me today and tomorrow. Worrying about it. True. When it was never going to come to pass. Amen. You know where the devil would like? Oh, he'd like for our mind to be in such doubt and fear and worry of the Lord. He'd like to take away the joy that we have today. I'm telling you, the people of God have got joy. I've got peace. I've got the scripture marked. The first verse that Jonathan read, I've got Mark to read in Timothy, where he says, Godliness is profitable, and it's got a promise in this life and in the life that's yet to come. I tell you what I've got. I've got peace that God's going to take care of me while I'm here and when I die. Amen. If I've got to suffer for three years and dying here, or I go out in a moment. And if I go out young at 33, or I die at nine, I know this, God's going to provide what I need. Amen. Yes, sir. And when I die, I'm going to be better off. Amen. I don't want to leave a wife and youngins. But if I die at 33, I'm going to be better off. Amen. And I'm, I'm convinced that if he takes me, he'll provide for them too. Yes, he will. The Lord don't need me to provide. <laughs> no. He don't need you to provide. Thank you, Paul. The Lord can provide to thank the birds you, that are in the rainforest, to the ones that are here in oh, uh, eastern you, Tennessee. God's able to provide yeah. the great store of food that's needed. Thank you, Jesus. And if he'd do that for the beasts of the field, 
Would He not do that for us also? So what ought we to do? Our heart ought to be stayed on the Lord. We ought not to worry or have anxiety about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. He says this in Lamentations. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Yes. So I could today worry about tomorrow and ruin what time I have today. But I've got promise of this. That if I live till tomorrow and evil comes, there'll be mercy and there'll be grace Amen. for tomorrow. They're new every morning. Yes. And if I die in my sleep, if I die before I go to sleep, I'm going to be better off. All of that's based on the Lord Jesus. I ought not be concerned about worldly things. They ought not be where my treasure's at. My desire ought to be seeking God and His kingdom first. Amen. I've heard this and you have too. Well, you've got to provide for your family. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe what Jonathan wrote. That's the Word of God. What he read this morning. That he that provideth not for his own is an infidel. I believe that. We ought to provide. Does that mean I ought to forsake God to provide? Absolutely not. That's no excuse to skip out on following the Lord. The Lord knows we have need of these things. He knows Joseph needs a job to provide. And He can provide it if I'll put Him first. Amen. He can provide it if I'll seek His kingdom. The, the things of itself. When tomorrow comes, there'll be grace for me to endure tomorrow. There's no sense in ruining today with fear, with worry, and with doubt about tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Why would we add more evil on today? Worrying about what we don't know tomorrow. I'd say you talk like it. You say the Lord will. Just like He says for us to do in James. What you ought to say, this is paraphrasing from James, don't say tomorrow or next week I'm going to go do that. Say Lord willing, I'll do that tomorrow. Or Lord willing, I'll do that next week. You know what that is? That's changing the way I think. That I'll do that if the Lord allows me to do that. That's what that is. So, if we're not sure that we'll be at work tomorrow, why should we worry about going to work tomorrow? If we're not sure what we're going to face tomorrow, why would we worry about what's coming up tomorrow? Sufficient to the days, the evil thereof, we'll have to face evil. And he says in John chapter 16, in this world ye shall have tribulation. And it ain't just you that's going to have tribulation either. The devil would like for you to believe that. Elijah said, I'm the only one left. There's nobody left to follow you that's seeking your face. And God said, Elijah, hold on a minute. I've reserved 7,000 that's enduring this same time that you're enduring. You're not alone and you're not the only one. Elijah, don't feel sorry for yourself. What doest thou here, Elijah? That's what the Lord asks him twice. Elijah was worried. He was feeling sorry for himself. Yeah, sure was. 
If we're not careful, we, we get there too. That's Amen. our nature. That's, right. Amen. That's our nature in the carnal flesh. The devil robbing, stealing of the joy of today with fear about what we've got no idea about. God help us to trust the Lord and seek the Lord's face. And seek His face first. And the Lord knows we have need of everything else. That's all that's on our heart.